Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Eve Simmons, a health journalist who spends her life asking tough questions to experts who really know their stuff, so you don't have to. And I'm Pat Hagen, filling in this week for Barney Kalman. This week we're talking about monkeypox. Is it a sexually transmitted infection or not? As always, we'd like to know what you think. If you have a question or comment, you can tweet us using the hashtag medicalminefield or email us on health at mailonsunday.co.uk. Monkeypox. It's the new mysterious virus that everyone is talking about, and it has a name that tells you absolutely nothing about what it actually is. Before we get into any of that, the controversy or the debate, I think we should have a very clear explanation of what exactly it is. Pat, you have been researching monkeypox all week. Do you want to tell me a little bit about what monkeypox is? It's got nothing to do with monkeys or chickens, is that right? Correct. It's called monkeypox. It seems, in fact, to be found mainly in rodents, rats and mice and squirrels that are native to parts of Africa where the virus is endemic. It's called monkeypox because the first time it was actually diagnosed or detected was in a laboratory in Denmark in 1958, where scientists were carrying out medical research with a group of monkeys who developed this unusual illness. Their subsequent investigations revealed this was a virus which, although in monkeys, had the capacity to spread to man as well. So zoonotic. Zoonotic indeed, but it was actually another 12 years or so before the first case was seen, and that was in a child in West Africa. And that's where it's largely stayed until the last few years when small numbers were found in Western countries, Western Europe and the United States, mostly in people who had travelled to infected areas and had either come into contact with an animal or eaten meat from an infected animal. And uh, those cases were diagnosed when they returned to their home countries, and then it petered out. This is different because we've now got what scientists are calling secondary transmission. So the virus, having at some point gone from an animal into a human, is now spreading from human to human, and at a faster and more easy rate than we have seen before. And it's, so it's another zoonotic virus, seems to be spreading quite relatively quickly. Is this another COVID? That's the big question. Mm. I think that's what's worrying people. Is it another COVID? Because COVID in the early days, if you remember, there wasn't a huge amount of fuss yeah, it over it. It was one or two, 10 cases, and then suddenly it was It was a hundreds. few cases. It was a mild respiratory illness that would probably die out as quickly as it had emerged, and it didn't. So that's why I think people are being ultra cautious with monkeypox. But there are crucial differences. One is that, as we found out late in the day, COVID was almost entirely a respiratory virus, the route of transmission. Monkeypox can be airborne, but it's not the prime route of transmission. It mainly spreads through skin lesions that emerge, hence the pox, mm. and that come into contact with a healthy person's skin, or they inhale fragments of skin that are carrying viral particles. So it doesn't rely on the respiratory pathway as much as COVID. Mm. Now, there's there's one element um, of this outbreak that has brought up some particular confusion and controversy, actually, which I want to talk about today. And that's the idea that monkeypox is being mainly transmitted through sexual activity. So a fortnight ago, when the first few cases were reported, it was noted that a significant proportion of them were gay and bisexual men. 
And then kind of subsequent cases from various places in Europe were identified also in gay and bisexual men with the Spanish authorities linking a mini outbreak to super spreader events involving erotic saunas. There's also been talk of fetish parties and festivals which have been linked to some cases. And in the UK, many of the cases are actually being treated at sexual health clinics. So this has obviously led a lot of people to think, well, it must be a sexually transmitted infection, but apparently not. This week, the World Health Organization issued a statement saying that monkeypox is not a sexually transmitted infection and actually anyone could get it. And we should stop focusing on people who are having sex and, and saying that, you know, there's some aspect of a behavior that's causing the spread. So, Pat, how, how exactly is monkeypox transmitted? You have explained a bit, but is the sexual element important here? From what we know so far from the scientists I've spoken to, it's nothing to do with the actual penetrative act of sex itself. It's about very close physical prolonged contact. So the lesions which appear are highly contagious and they can release particles of virus that can very easily get into another person's body via scratches in the skin or let's say they get inhaled into the, the nose or the mouth and then they make contact with the very delicate tissues called the mucous membranes. What happens there is that they have a very easy route into the bloodstream through those thin tissues. They get absorbed very quickly. So is it the act of sex itself or is it the close intimate contact that you see between a couple? At the moment, they're saying it's, it's almost certainly the contact element. The World Health Organization does say that it's not to do with exchange of bodily fluids during the act of sex. Some of the scientists I spoke to this week said we can't rule that out completely, but it is unlikely. It's much more likely that it's just it's just the close physical contact that the, we talked about. The thing that I find interesting about this is that there's been a, a somewhat of an uproar about reports that are referring to it as a sexually transmitted infection or potentially the next kind of big sexually transmitted infection. But the major concern is focusing too much on this sexual aspect of transmission is going to risk putting people off coming forward for help and stigmatizing people because there's this idea that there's something that you're doing that's bringing on the infection. Uh, there was a picture that was uh, tweeted out or it, it was in a blog post by the UK Health Security Agency last week mentioning the fact that many of the cases have involved men who have sex with men. And in the post, there was a picture of a man, slightly disturbing image, kind of strangely stereotypical cowering in the corner and lots of people on twitter said this was hugely stigmatizing and giving the impression that these are the patients who get monkeypox which as we know isn't true because it, it can affect anyone but i'm interested in what the best way to communicate monkeypox and the people who are at risk of monkeypox is and on the line now is someone who knows quite a bit about this Dr. Laura Waters is a consultant in sexual health working in an NHS hospital in London and is chair of the British HIV Association. Dr. Waters, why do you think that some people have taken offence and umbrage at some of the messages about monkeypox that have been put out there by the government and some of the media? Oh, umbrage is a bit of a strong word, but I think some people have taken offence because it's been put out in dare I suggest slightly clumsy language and not in collaboration with organisations and clinics more used to putting out messages targeted at people related to potentially sexually transmitted issues. So I think first to be clear, monkeypox is not a sexually transmitted infection per se, and perhaps we can come back to that. 
but some of the initial messaging used images of there was certainly one of of someone cowering in a corner sort of fear stigma type things and I think when messages come from organizations that, that are perceived or otherwise to be a government body rather than a trusted source like a sexual health charity a community group a clinic they attend especially on the back of a lot of fear and mistrust around some of the covid messaging rightly or wrongly then i think naturally they distrust those messages and i i think by collaborating with organizations that have experience in communicating messages to particular groups uh, you know then i think distrust ensues. So do you think even, for instance, the first few reports that came out saying that there's been a significant proportion of cases in men who have sex with men, do you think that could be taken in the wrong way, perhaps? I I, th- I think stating the facts about the people who appear to be at highest risk, as a doctor, I don't see that as a problem. I think it's more the way that message came across and who the message came from. And really, I think the, the best way to have addressed that question would be at the very beginning. And there you know, was engagement with community organisations from the very beginning is to run the messaging past them. It, it didn't need to delay the sharing of any information. I do think it's important because if the groups who are most affected initially aren't targeted, then that message may not get across. And that's obviously a really important part of public health messaging, too. But I think there's ways that can be done. And by creating general messages that are then channeled towards people rather than necessarily targeting them. But I I think sharing who was most at risk is not necessarily a problem. It's just how it was done. And and like I say, by by who and partnering with other trusted sources may be less likely to to cause offence. And what's the risk there if you get these messages wrong? I think the risk is... One, that other people at risk and other people and monkeypox can affect anybody. So straight away, by targeting or labelling a particular group without making it clear that, that they happen to be the group most affected, but it could be anybody, then there's the risk that people who aren't part of that group who develop symptoms will assume that it can't be that. It can't be me. You know, I'm not somebody at risk. So that there, there is that risk. And I, I think more recent messaging has been much clearer in that regard. The other risk is is that you alienate the group that you're trying to target. That, you know, I think if you go onto Twitter, some of the initial responses to some of the initial messages make it clear that when you make people angry, they won't engage. And, and, and that's a difficulty as well. So it's that balance of ensuring that people who may not fit into that group know they're at risk. And actually, you get best engagement if you give messages in a way that doesn't make people feel stigmatised. And going back to whether or not, the big question of whether or not this is a sexually transmitted infection, you've said that it's not per se, but there are other infections that we think of as being sexually transmitted that you don't have to have sex to get. And also, as I understand it, uh, monkeypox is mainly being seen at sexual health clinics. So you can see why people might be a bit confused. Could you just explain? No, completely. And And it is confusing. And what I say may may not make it less confusing. But but for me, a sexually transmitted infection is one that you almost always acquire through sex. Mm. There may be, and and there are examples, syphilis is an example, genital warts are an example, herpes are an example, that you don't necessarily need to have sexual intercourse for that infection to be passed on. Mm. However, almost all cases are related to having sex. 
with monkeypox, close contact during sex happens to be the main route of transmission for these initial cases, but any close contact can lead to transmission. We know that it's a virus that can survive on bedding, on towels. We know that there can be droplet spread, so through coughing on somebody, direct close contact in that way. So when we know that there are non-sexual ways that it's easy to transmit that virus to somebody else, then for me, that's not a sexually transmitted infection. And historically, most monkeypox virus cases haven't been related to close contact during sex. I think it's just a coincidence that these initial cases have been passed on during sex, but it may be only a matter of time before we see transmissions through other routes. But again, to emphasise, it needs to be very close contact. Dr. Waters, you mind if I can ask whether you think that the UK HSA should now sort of following up, follow up that initial guidance and initial alert with a similar message to the broader non-gay community, heterosexual community, parents of young children. Should they also be targeted with a message that the risk, however small, is still present? But I, 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 yes, but I think they are. And I, I think they're, they're more recent communications. Susan Hopkins, our chief medical officer, has been sharing some really clear messages on social media, for example. And there are updates. I, one of the challenges is some of the information people access comes, for example, from the NHS website. And there are still some updates to that particular web page that need to be implemented. But I think they already are getting that messaging out there and certainly looking at what's in the, the sort of more general media over the last couple of days. I personally think it is much clearer now that anybody could acquire this virus, emphasising again that it's very close contact and ensuring anybody with an unusual rash, and there are pictures available showing what the rash looks like, that they seek medical attention, whether they are men who have sex with men or not. The important thing is seeking help if you have characteristic symptoms. Mm. Dr. Horses, do you know if we know for sure that any of these cases have been linked to sexual activity, other than the reports of, I know there was some, I think the Spanish authorities reported that one case was linked to a sauna, but other than that, do we know for sure that, that some of them have been linked to anything to do with sex? That's difficult because clearly when, especially during the early phases, when we see new cases or a, a infection presenting in an unusual way, you know, we don't normally see many monkeypox virus cases in the UK. And a lot of the information, you know, it's confidential medical records, it's early days. So the amount of detail is fairly scarce. I do think it's fair to say, though, that being that sexual health services have seen a number of cases, and that's no longer just in London. And I think there is a lack of travel associated risk for some of the cases. And again, that's been publicised. So yes, I think it's reasonable to say that the early cases or many of the early cases appear to have been transmitted through close contact during sex. Dr. Laura Waters, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you very much indeed. I was surprised by what Dr. Waters said about other sexually transmitted infections very, very, very rarely being passed on through any other route than sex. I didn't know that. I thought that there were infections that could be transmitted through other, even sexual contact. I suppose the nature of uh, those infections and the nature of uh, monkeypox is that they all require close, intimate, prolonged physical contact. And that's what sets them apart from the... Uh, the airborne viruses that we've become so afraid of. But what's fascinating is the fact that this could have happened 
10 years ago or whenever and it's happening right now and we can't be completely sure about the activity that took part that meant that these cases have grown quite quickly but what we do know is that there has been some sort of sexual health element to it which is surprising or seems to have kind of kind of really surprised most scientists and next we're going to talk to an expert who knows a little bit more about transmission and infectious diseases joining us now is professor paul hunter an infectious disease expert at the university of east anglia Professor Hunter, this is the biggest international spread of monkeypox we've ever seen. Do you have mm-hmm. any idea about why it's happening right now? I think it's, it's still a bit too early to be absolutely certain. I think the indications early on are that what's happened is that we've had a super spreader event. There have been a couple of events suggested that have been associated with the increased international transmission of this virus. And you talk about the super spreader events. I know that some things that have been mentioned are gatherings at saunas, things that are supposedly sexual. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's important that that is clearly communicated so that people know? Indeed. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's always a very difficult situation when you're dealing with an issue that is spread in a sexual or fashion or during periods of intimacy. And it does sometimes make it more difficult to control because... Some people might be nervous about coming forward and to be diagnosed. And I think what we've got in the UK is we've had many years of experience of contact tracing of people who have had sexually transmitted diseases run from our genitourinary medicine clinics. And and this is what will be going on. Now, on the one hand, we really don't want to stigmatise people because if you do that, they're less likely to pay attention to what you are telling them. But on the other hand, you do have to be very clear about what the likely transmission routes are and what people can do to best protect themselves and others from from catching the infections. This originates or the the, the initial outbreak has taken place Mm. within uh, largely, not not entirely, but largely within the the gay community. Would the natural Mm -hmm. progression of it be that it would then filter out to wider society and affect a greater cross-section of groups? Certainly that is a concern and it probably you will probably do get some spread and we've probably seen some spread. There's been a child apparently that has acquired it in the UK. But once in the general public, monkeypox isn't that infectious. And so in West Africa, when you have outbreaks in West Africa, which are nearly always traceable back to contact with the wild animals, But when you do, you can occasionally get person-to-person spread, but it tends to die out fairly quickly. So, yes, there may well be some spread outside of a higher-risk group, but it's unlikely to be sustainable over many generations of virus. So, yes, it is a risk, and the current guidance in the UK about who you would give vaccine to takes account of that fact. So, you know, household contacts, certain care workers who have been uh, more closely involved will be followed up and offered vaccine if appropriate. Why is it that it's not very transmissible compared to something like COVID, for instance? Yeah, uh, primarily because most infections, you've got to actually be fairly close to somebody. And one of the, the main routes that this virus spreads, not the only route, but one of the main routes is by skin-to-skin contact. And the virus from the rash that somebody has can then penetrate cracks or breaks in the skin of the so far uninfected person. You do get some other spread. And one of the outbreaks that we've had in the UK a few years ago was while a care worker was changing somebody's 
bed linen and the scabs that form following the rashes that as you heal that they are themselves infectious and they can rub off into the bed linen and if you throw them up into the air they can get in your eyes or you can inhale them and pick the infection up that way but generally it's close contact intimate contact family contact and relatively prolonged contact where this spreads outside of that it, its transmission is quite low is there droplet spread? Is that so coughs, coughs and sneezes and anything yeah, like that? Yeah, it, it possibly, but that's probably not the main route. But it certainly, it almost certainly does happen. But as I said, the main routes are contact with somebody whilst they've got the rash. So it's the rash itself that's mostly infectious. And with COVID, we got used to hearing every few months about a new, more infectious strain that had emerged and was mm-hmm. doing more damage than the last one. How can we be sure that this isn't a new, more virulent strain of monkeypox? We can't for certain. Monkeypox is very different to COVID in a number of ways. One is that it's a DNA virus, not an RNA virus. And the other is that it's actually a double-stranded DNA virus. Now, what that means is that although it does mutate and evolve, it doesn't do that anywhere near as quickly as you see with the RNA viruses. And so... It's plausible, it's possible, but at the moment, I think the balance of evidence is that it probably isn't a new super virus version of monkeypox, but that you know we do have to wait until the results of the initial analyses are properly complete and circulating. And if you do contract monkeypox, how long can you expect it to be protected after one bout until the next? Probably forever, but there is all sorts of categories to that and that is whether or not your immune system remains healthy so it's quite plausible that if you get this and then you say develop more severe immune suppression you develop hiv aids then your protection may fail as a result of that but generally you would expect reasonable protection for a very long time probably for life why is that the case here and with covid it's six months it's because monkeypox is, is a systemic infection. It, what it does, it gets into the skin and then it grows in your body and it circulates in your body for about getting on for two weeks before the rash then appears. COVID, most of the protection against infection with COVID is, again, is because of nose and throat infections. And that's called mucosal immunity. And mucosal immunity is much shorter lived matter of months rather than years for a variety of very technical reasons and so you know it was never going to be the case that with covid you were going to get prolonged protection for life although you do get much better protection with covid against severe disease because severe disease is a is what we call systemic illness it's an infection of the inside of the body and immunity to systemic infections are much longer lived than infections of the mucosa of the nose and throat. So with monkeypox, it's in the bloodstream, the protection? In the bloodstream, effectively, yes, yes. And other internal organs, not just the bloodstream, yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Professor Paul Hunter, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Hi, sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, The Podcast offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Well, at least that's one good thing. Get monkeypox, you're protected forever.
Yes, there had to be some good news there, didn't there? Exactly. I think what this whole debate shows is that it's so, so difficult to get that balance right between targeting the people who need to be targeted and told that they're at risk and making sure that you're not making people feel like there's something wrong with them because they might have a condition or an infection. It's a very, very sensitive area, but it's absolutely crucial that the experts get it right because in order to stop this from uh, becoming an even bigger problem, they do need the help and cooperation of the community, which which is where it has started now, it's the, the gay community. But to do that, they need to get the message across that this isn't. There's no element of blame here. It's entirely coincidental, by the looks of it, mm. that um, that's where it first emerged. And as Professor Hunter and Dr. Waters said, could just as well spread to other sections of the community. It's a difficult balancing act, and I hope they get it right. I think that there's definitely sensitivity around this area because of obviously what we saw in the HIV epidemic back in the 80s. There's actually studies that show that some of the very, very unfortunate and definitely stigmatising messaging that was put out there by, I think it was, uh, it may have even been um, some of our broadcasting in the UK, actually put people off going to get help and was responsible for many unnecessary deaths. Yeah, you hope that they would have learned their lessons from that some suggestion that perhaps here that in the rush to get the message out that they maybe tripped over themselves a little and didn't quite get the the balance right but by the sound of it the message is being sort of fine-tuned with the intention of getting as many people as possible to to to, to come forward and get mm, the help they need. heading in the right direction i thought what dr walter said about making sure that those messages are being channeled through the right platforms is really interesting i know that the dating app grinder is now publishing messages on its app to make sure that the community that need to be targeted are targeted but like she said, it's got to come from trustworthy sources and from places where they feel that they are comfortable with and have heard this kind of information from before. One thing that I also read that I thought was interesting was that, you know, it may well be that the only reason why we're seeing sexual health cases is because in this community, you know, there's a lot of of people who may have had contact with sexual health services before and therefore they're familiar with them. They're more likely to present to their sexual health doctor than they will be to their GP, for instance, and therefore... We're seeing lots of these places in clinics, but it may not necessarily be that sex is is the reason why. No. And one interesting parallel is that uh, there's an argument to say that had it manifested itself initially in uh, young children, uh, some people say, you know, they would have just reckoned it off as chicken pox Mm. and thought, well, it's nothing to worry about. All children get chicken pox when in fact it could have been monkeypox. The community here, as you say, have a much greater interaction with sexual health services. So... They're more inclined to come forward. They have that established relationship. So in a way, it could potentially be a good thing that this was the first section of the community for it to to show up in. I must say, Pat, there is a little voice in my head that's slightly anxious uh, hearing scientists say this is never going to be a a terrible epidemic. It's not going to spread particularly quickly. It's going to be gone as quickly as it was here. I feel like it's a terrible sense of deja vu. I think everybody has that feeling. And, you know, we we lost 178,000 people to COVID in this country and uh, that's not easily forgotten. And so it's understandable that people are worried about the potential of this new virus. Absolutely. But I am a person of hope and I think that so far it seems that things aren't going to go that way. Fingers crossed. Well, that's all we have time for this week. If you want to know more about what we've been talking about today, you can read all about it in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday. 
and tweet us with any questions or suggestions for Medical Minefield using the hashtag Medical Minefield or email us at health at mailonsunday.co.uk. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Bye.